Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a gorgeous conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by Ramya Vishwanathan, where I ask her, What's chemistry got to do with hair care? Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. I'm so excited to welcome someone who I've known for a few years now, someone who I've gotten really close to, who I just respect so much, who we love. Welcome to the show, Ramya Vishwanathan. How are you, Ramya? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Okay, so just to set you guys the scene so you can picture it, we are in this like white little office room in San Francisco. We are um, having our, our first in-person meeting in what feels like 27 years, but they think it was more like 18 months or something. And Rami is the chemist and main lead principal formulator of JVN Hair and also Biosense. What's your like official gorgeous title for Biosense? Director of Product Development. You really have been like in the lead of helping us develop everything. Everything I really, I think I've, in my career, I've really loved learning about ingredients. I've loved learning about where ingredients come from, but really what I've learned about like function of ingredients, I've really learned from you. I feel like I've learned so much. Okay. I have a question. Uh How does skincare and hair care like actually work? So skin is like Mm -hmm. living. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it is a a live organism. Mm -hmm. Our hair is dead Uh cells. Yeah. So your hair is already dead. Your skin Mm -hmm. is currently alive. Mm -hmm. So how does our hair and skin take on products differently? Mm -hmm. And as a formulator and as a chemist, what do you need to do generally to like, what does skin need? What Mm -hmm. does hair need? So I think of the structure of skin. Skin is very hydrophilic. So it's very water loving. It's very water loving. So it loves a good moisturizer. So you need to be able to introduce elements of water as well as oils to kind of seal everything in just so that your skin feels happy. So it needs to be very nourished. Um, Hair is interesting because it is dead yet. You can see an impact from the products you use. And a lot of times I like to really start with the root um, of how you're washing your hair because you want to be mindful of the ingredients you're using and also have a good experience. So there's this blend of cleaning or just cleansing and conditioning just so hair, you could still manipulate hair in a way that it feels its best. So I learned in hair school that our hair is really similar to fabric. And mm-hmm. if you were to like look at them under microscopes, like uh-huh. they all look kind of similar. Is that true? That's true. Because we didn't end up, we, we didn't have a microscope there. So we didn't really mm-hmm. look. Yeah. So what are some of the, so, and then you said something really interesting, which is that even though it's dead, there is like, it does have physical impact mm-hmm. from what we do to it, both good and bad. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen like hair get bleached with an inch of its life. I've seen hair get really upset sometimes. Mm-hmm. So how how does that work as a texture, like as a thing? How does hair get like healthier if it's dead? Um, there are a whole bunch of different ways that sometimes I think of hair porosity and the kind of products you want to use when hair is more porous. You can always introduce things like proteins or what we have as the baseline for upcoming JV and hairs, we're using hemisqualane um, as a base ingredient, which is an, another ingredient that our company develops, um, which is similar to squalane, um, but it's half a squalane basically. So it's a lighter weight version. So it's something that runs through hair, moisturizes hair and penetrates the hair shaft. So there is um, a visible different difference from using it. And it's also really lightweight. So it doesn't feel heavy like you know, a heavy oil. So you want something that's not going to weigh hair down, but also has some sort of a benefit. 
Well, just really quick, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people may not know the squalene story. Right. Um, so I'm curious to hear it from you. Mm-hmm. What is squalene, first of all? Just what mm-hmm. is squalene? Yeah. Squalene is an emollient that's very commonly used in skincare. It's very similar in structure to something that our own skin has called squalene that our bodies naturally produce um, that kind of gives skin some of its resiliency and, and emolliency and just its overall um, uh, barrier. It helps support the skin barrier. So as um, as we age, its levels kind of change. Um, and oftentimes to replenish, brands were using squalene as an emollient in skincare products and a lot of luxury creams, oils, um, as this ingredient that skin already recognizes. Okay. Yeah. And so was, and so pre this version of squalene, mm-hmm. it really was from literal sharks or olives. Yes. And was it nice? Did it work? Was it like, was it gross? Did we love it? Do we hate it? It was really nice and it does work. But then when you think about the sustainability story of it, it's not always the most favored. So, and that's because like on average, there was like a couple millions of sharks a year that were, and the reason why olive is kind of like, because well, olive is just like, it may be a little unstable if the crop mm-hmm. doesn't work that year or mm-hmm. if it's like, it, so, so how did, how did this version of squalene get created? Like what actually happens to the sugar cane to make squalene? Um, so what we use is a fermentation process um, with sugarcane as a feeding material to create our version of squalene, which has the same purity as shark squalene. And there's a much more steady supply because we grow our sugarcane in Brazil. It grows very readily and it's all supported by rainfall. So it's very sustainable and it's just a, and we can have consistent supply and there haven't been any concerns with it. So Uh porosity, I remember porosity being explained to me is like, if you think of like each hair as Mm -hmm. like a sponge and it's like how many holes on the sponge there is. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that's like an accurate description? Like it's like how much water it holds on to, like how dry yeah, it is? or product. Um, and I've seen that. Have you tried the hair porosity test where you cut your hair, like cut a piece of hair, put it into water. And if it sinks, it's really porous. If it floats, yes, it's not. Yes, so basically yes. it's how absorptive it could be. So, okay. I love that story. So porosity is like how much water retention, like how dry the hair is. Mm-hmm. Then elasticity is like how much your hair stretches. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we think about strength, right? Yeah, right. And so if you if your hair is wet and you look at it and you like stretch it while it's wet, mm-hmm. how much your hair stretches is like how much, like, like elastic, well, elasticity is how much it, it springs back, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you want good elasticity. Right. Because you don't want your hair to stretch and then break right off. Correct. So, so think of like pasta. I've seen um, when you cook pasta versus dry pasta. Yes. Um, if it's like, if it's too strong without that hydration, it's going to break off. So I am, I've seen that example used. And yes. I think it's a good one to describe how hair works. Okay. I love that example. Our line, we've really focused on universality, mm-hmm. on inclusivity. We really want our product to work on so many different hair types. Mm-hmm. So, which is a an, an difficult needle to thread because everyone has such different hair. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's why we've really been so mindful to think about our lines the way that we've thought about our lines with nurturing being a really hydrating line and with undamaged being a really like protective strengthening line mm-hmm. and then embody being like what is in my opinion like not to brag about our baby mm-hmm. but I do feel like embody is my ultimate favorite thickening line of all time ever mm-hmm. I've never or volumizing rather I've never used a volumizing shampoo that like didn't turn my hair into a full out Brillo pad like every volumizing shampoo and conditioner I've ever used like made me regret it because it like dried my hair out. I couldn't like brush it. It just was like a fucking mess. Mm -hmm. And ours just makes your hair like feel thicker, more manageable, fuller, but also like hydrated at the same time. Mm -hmm. So what are some ingredients that we have at our disposal that Mm -hmm. we can use to make hair more hydrated Mm -hmm. or stronger or feel more full or thick? I'm going to start with the hemisqualane because that one does it all. Um, It moisturizes hair without weighing it down. And that's so important. Um, and that's why it works in so many different hair types. Um, it's really interesting. I remember when I was learning how to make conditioners way back when, um, the rules to not put heavy oils in it. So oftentimes there are certain emollients that can be used, but you don't know how well they work or they're, they're not always friendly once they go down the drain. Um, why? Something like hemis, because they accumulate, um, and are not always good for aquatic life. So we have to be cautious of what we're using. What are some oils that do that? Tell us. Well, sometimes volatile silicones can be offenders. So those are like what they call like the bio accumulatives. Mm -hmm. So that's like, just like, just like heavy, like just certain silicones. Yes. But not all Um, silicones. Not all. In Europe, you're not supposed to use volatile silicones and rinse off products anymore just because of the environmental concerns. They feel nice. They have an impact. They coat hair. They don't actually... um, Penetrate. Interest. uh, Yeah. Does any squalene penetrate? Yes. So how do we tell that? Do we look at it under a microscope? Like after we like put it in, like how do we tell that it penetrated? So we've done some strand studies um, in our early days of developing hemisqualine to show how it functions and all of the benefits that it has. And in finding that we were able to see how well it works as a hair care ingredient. And that's why we started using it. Uh, yeah. What were some of the benefits of it? Um, it offers heat protection, helps with color retention, it conditions hair, helps with frizz, um, all while still detangling hair and not making it feel heavy. Uh, And you felt it earlier today. I did. So if you were to compare it to say like, like, you know, olive oil or something like that, how would you? Way lighter. Yeah. um, Way lighter than an olive oil and also more quickly absorbed Mm -hmm. than an olive oil for sure. Mm -hmm. So you got hemisqualine and that can make our hair more moisturized. What, what, what do you do if you want to make hair feel thicker? Um, in the embody collection, we utilize biotin. We use caffeine. We have a bamboo extract in the conditioner that helps hair swell a little bit. So that's helping. And then all of this, you know, it is enhanced by the, by hemisqualine. Plus we didn't use any heavy waxes just to help hair feel more voluminous. Um, so, cause in that we kind of attack like a uh, right now with mm-hmm. the bamboo, but then like a long term mm-hmm. with some, so there's like a giving you a little bit of like cheese on your broccoli right now, which is mm-hmm. the bamboo, but then some like long-term ingredients to like set you up for more success in the long run. Uh-huh. Cute. Yeah. I love that. So then what about for strength? For strength in the undamaged collection, we're using um, a lot of proteins. So one of the products uses a charged lemon protein, um, which if you think about it, hair is negatively charged. So we want to make it more positive. So we put charged, um, positively charged proteins in it. Okay. I have a question though. Uh-huh. So 
okay, let's say my hair is just like lacking some lot or it's like, it's got like, I'm just stretchy. I'm weak. I maybe did like a nasty bleach and tone that got overlapped because I felt like it was too yellow. So then I put bleach like 12 more times on it. Mm-hmm. I'm all fuzzed. My curls are all fucked up. Mm-hmm. I got like 27 million textures going on. How does the protein in the conditioner and shampoo like actually make my hair feel stronger? Like what's happening? Um, part of it is just the structure of the ingredients and they're allowing better delivery into the hair. Um, and if you think about things like the proteins we're using um, or even the conditioners that are in it, a lot of it is very charge based. So that's why you actually feel an impact um, because of how hair takes it in. So what does like um, weakened or damaged hair like it just gets like more negatively charged than like it was beforehand? It's more porous. Um, so that's one part of it. And it starts to, you'll see little, if you were to look at it under a microscope, it looks a little like, um, kind of broken. So, um, you want to be able to just replenish it and smooth it out. So can you take like, if you think about like one hair shaft is like a tree trunk, Uh like, do you ever start to see like cracks start to like go across and then does the protein actually like re-smooth it or like Mm -hmm. rebond it together? Yeah. And And is that like a permanent Thing or do you need to keep using like so is that how conditioners work long term is they just kind of like fill in the cracks of the um so conditioners work via their charge so conditioners are usually cationic as well and we talked about hair being or cationic is positively charged and we talked about hair being negatively charged so that's how conditioners work um and the undamaged collection on top of that uses proteins to sort of infuse it into hair and it shows a pretty visible benefit. Um, and then we balance that out with the right amount of moisture because we want to make sure we have that too. And we're not just speaking to protein. And then I think for me, like I first kind of started getting into the idea of like sustainability, like fair mm-hmm. trade, what clean beauty means all from like my encounters with Aveda as like, as a like teenager, my mom like went to the Aveda store in St. Louis and she was like, got to use this chamois and they're like all in glass bottles because if it wasn't in glass, it would like X, Y, Z. And there was like this, this whole kind of idea. And then I ended up going to beauty school at the Evade Institute in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that was in 2005. I started, I finished in 2006, Mm -hmm. but I very much feel like if you would have told me in 2006, like the word synthetic, Mm -hmm. like definitely didn't ring is like, it didn't feel like a good word mm-hmm. for beauty, but it, but it's weird because then as a hairdresser, mm-hmm. I've often thought like, well, a lot of products that were too organic and like too, too nature like I felt like it was a little goopy, maybe didn't work, but then it mm-hmm. was too science Like it just felt like it kind of was making the hair almost feel kind of plastic, maybe a little mm-hmm. build up like almost like a residual, like tackiness to the hair that you mm-hmm. don't, or like almost like a chlorinated, like slip as mm-hmm. well, like too much of a slip. Right. Um, And so synthetic is something that historically, like I would have, when it comes to hair care, I was like, okay, maybe you need a little bit of science. Mm -hmm. But then I've realized that sometimes, even if it's amazing and if it comes from the earth, if it's organic, Mm -hmm. if it's fair trade, sometimes we do have like a finite amount of something like Mm -hmm. squalene would be an example of this. And that's like Mm -hmm. poor baby sharks. So we don't want to be like killing all the sharks. But if you think about like, you know, like a a vanilla bean or something Mm -hmm. like there are finite amounts of like, or a certain rose or just sandalwood, sandalwood, sandalwood. all the um, Meister sandalwood trees are gone for the next, you know, more than a decade, just because we've depleted all the natural resources. Uh, 
So that's in sandalwood is like often used in skincare, mm-hmm. hair care. I know there's like a sandalwood hairspray I used to like be obsessed with. There was like sandalwood in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so synthetic means what? Um, well, synthetic means you've you've created. It's been made. It's something that's been made. Um, and it's simple. So, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so it and. And it's really interesting because I feel like it always sometimes can have a little bit of a negative association. But if you think about skincare or hair care, um, we're not pulling stuff out of the ground to put it into products. It always requires some kind of a process just to make it um, suitable for skin, hair. So there's certain processes involved there. What does testing look like? Because I mean, over the last, oh gosh, over like, I keep kicking the thing under the table, y'all, don't Mm -hmm. worry. But we've formulated like, or we've, like changed lots of formulas in our products. We've changed like Mm -hmm. consistencies since like what's like the scientific aspect of testing look like? So once we signed off all of the formulas, we, um, when we'd worked on that together, we want, we usually send it out to a third party testing lab where we're doing a mix of analytical testing as well as just consumer preference. Cause we obviously want real people using everything. Um, but the analytical testing is really, um, critical. So for some of the tests, like in the uh, nurture moisturization collection, we're focusing a lot on, um, almost treating hair just to really extreme conditions to make sure that it holds up. Like you'll put high heat to make sure some of the products are heat protective. Um, you can shine UV on it to see how color safe, um, products are. You can do tensile, uh, strength tests to see how stretchy hair is. Um, so there's cool, test points for all of these. There's one where you um, subject heat to 450 degrees to make sure that the product protects hair. So that's what we're doing for the instant recovery serum. Love. Okay. I'm obsessed with that story. Mm -hmm. I am really curious about how you came into this career. And I think there's a lot of young people who are listening to this, or maybe even not young people, just people listening to this who would be really fascinated. Maybe they could chase it down too. So Mm -hmm. tell me about when you started creating Mm -hmm. formulas and products. So I, going back, I studied um, molecular biology and chemistry um, and I stumbled across just product, uh, cosmetic chemistry formulations as a career path. I was kind of like looking at um, what I can do that blends creativity with curiosity with with science. And this just seemed like the perfect space to be in one of the... um, first roles that I did out of, out of university was, um, working as a formulation chemist, um, for a bunch of brands. I wrote thousands of formulas for hundreds of brands, um, and spent quite a bit of time along that. I made every single type of product you can think of. Um, and it was really fun and it was just very interesting. I got, I I got a good, um, or really good exposure to ingredients, understanding how they work, um, understanding how to make product. And after spending some time to that, I, I learned about biosense. Um, I was very familiar with the the story behind Biosance and I, I was uh, introduced to the company. I have like 27 questions already oh, okay. about what you just said. I can't help it. So you studied molecular biology and chemistry uh-huh. in university. Yeah. So a molecular biologist, you would have had to have like learned about like, I like, isn't that like kind of like human stuff too? molecular mm-hmm. biology? Yeah. 
So like you learn about like the cells skin. and regulations of the cells. You're also the person who told me that that our skin isn't the biggest organ. It's the it's the that other thing, the that other new organ that they just discovered like two the years ago. Micro- it's like uh-huh. this white connective tissue. And they were like, I, I keep wanting to say isthmus, but then that's like a geographical term. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So you studied molecular biology and chemistry. And mm-hmm. can you what are like what did you even how do you study that in college? Like, because I think that's like, I don't even understand what that is. Well, I wanted to do something in the life sciences or some kind of hard sciences um, because there's so many different career paths you can do. You can go into um, something that's more primary research focused. So um, all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes before, um, you know, you discover something or you can go into industry. And what I wanted to do was be in some sort of industry, kind of taking what I had. I wanted to do something that create something. Okay. Love that story. So now tell me, so you come out of school, Mm -hmm. you start working for this one company, you work, you make hundreds of products, Mm -hmm. hundreds of formulas, and then you hear about Biosense. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing? You're walking down the street in San Francisco and then what happens? Um, So what happened was I learned about Biosense before Biosense was even around. And it was really interesting because I knew about squalene. I used to use squalene as a formulator. It was just a go-to for so many um, ingredients. And there was this company that made a brand around it, um, around their own sugarcane derived squalene, which was really unique at the time because there weren't a whole lot of sources for it, you know, the shark liver um, story. So what our parent company Amaris was doing was just so innovative and unique. And at the time they had just launched the Biosense line and it was so small, it was so new and it needed to be built out. And then all of a sudden I I found myself here. So as a literal product formulator slash chemist, are there any things that you see in products and you're just like, oh, I can't, I don't use that. Like once you like, for me, I feel like when I see sodium lauryl sulfate, I'm just Mm -hmm. like, I I don't want to, like, I just, I'm not here for the squeaky clean. Mm -hmm. I already know I'm going to feel dry. I'm going to feel cracky. Mm -hmm. What's, what are the things that you just like don't fucks with? In skincare or hair care? Both. Um, The people want to know. Okay. In hair care, I thought it wasn't a big deal to use silicones or not, but once I stopped using it, I actually noticed a really big difference in my curl pattern forming again. Really? And it might be different. It works for some people, doesn't work for everyone, but I actually found a big difference. And a friend of mine once told me that if you use silicones, your hair collects dust, which I thought was, like, I don't know how sciencey that is, but um, I noticed a difference. So once I started switching to things I used um, like lighter emollients and, and even just formulating with hemisqualine, I noticed a big difference. I've noticed in my hair, not that I'm like trying to do like such a hardcore ad sales pitch for my own hair care line, but since I'm here talking to our lead formula or our lead formulator and chemist, I will say I fully stopped keratining treating treating my hair because mm-hmm. I used to do like keratin treatments on my hair like every like I did like every six weeks for maybe like a year mm-hmm. back in like 2013 and then I switched to like more like twice a year mm-hmm. like ever since then and now I haven't done one at all mm-hmm. since like the middle of 2019. Yeah. Um and it just is like or maybe more like the end of 2019. But yeah, my hair just feels like so much better. I don't need like I just don't have as much frizz. It's not mm-hmm. as dry. It is more manageable. Yeah. Um yeah. Wait, do you know what how do the keratins like what's that do? Like why is it really the formaldehyde? I think so. That's part of it. To seal it in. I don't actually know that much about the treatment because I've never tried one, but um I think it has to do with um 
like curing it with the heat. Right? Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. you have to like put like someone. And then the ones that are like formaldehyde free, like never really work. I feel mm-hmm. like it's like, I need that like nasty chemical. Yeah. Okay. What other things don't you use? Silicone. Um, okay. And hair care. I did go sulfate free. The thing is, I don't think sulfates are terrible, but oftentimes they work too well. So they can make hair feel a little too stripped. Clean. It. Um, so we still want hair to feel moisturized, but I think sulfates, can be used. They're just oftentimes a little too strong, but I still think there's some um, better alternatives with that we're we're using. <laughs> is mineral oil as bad as we think it is? Um, or is it true that there's different grades of mineral oil? There are different grades, but you have you have to think about where it comes from. So it's always a you know. Is it literally petroleum. from a mineral? Oh, yes, it's. Um, it's all, it's all coming from a petroleum um, stream of how that's processed. So it, it's not horrible for you, but if you can use squalene instead, that would be the recommendation. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, um, what do you feel? I want to just make sure I get everything. Also, you guys, I just want you to know, I could interview Ramia for 17 hours. We do have like the most power packed day of all time. We are entrepreneurs. We are business people. We are running all over San Francisco today doing the most. Mm-hmm. So we really do have like a hard 35 minute episode for y'all today. So that is mm-hmm. kind of what our truth is. What tips do we have for listeners hoping to become better informed about the beauty products you're using and the purchases they're making? Um, I think less is more. When it comes to products, just fewer, better things, find something you like and use it. Um, If I think of skincare, I'm really boring with skincare. You can have a whole bunch of products, but all you need is moisture sometimes. Everything else is a nice to have. Um, Same goes with hair care. Find a routine that you like and works for you. So what's your... For your curls, because you have the prettiest curls, what is like a day in, day out hair product that you always use? Um, from our line? Yeah, or just like, <laughs> or is it just like, is it like, is it, so because I hear you say with skincare, it's like mm-hmm. sometimes all you need is moisture. So uh-huh. I'm, I'm guessing maybe sometimes you're only using like moisturizer and some SPF. Yeah. So if you only have one product for your hair, mm-hmm. is it like, I mean, from, I will say from ours, it's air dry cream because mm-hmm. it's my one-stop shop for my curls. It's yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, and I have, I've always been looking for like a one product, uh-huh. curly, air dry or diffuse, just like a one stop shop curly product. I do think we did it with our air dry cream. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. It's okay. beautiful. It's like the most, the Hemi Squalene has made this cream so beautiful, so mm-hmm. interesting. But what like, what genre of hair product must you have? Conditioner. I was just thinking mask as yeah, well. Conditioner and mask. So... Can't go wrong. I just, my, my hair likes it, never gets tired of it. Um, we have some hacks with our conditioners where we've been using them as leave-ins. Um, I've used the Embody conditioner as a co-wash before. Ooh. Yeah. Um, when I don't feel like shampooing the next day. So between conditioners and masks, those are my go-tos. What are your hopes for the beauty industry in terms of formula development, sourcing, and testing? I mean, like your real ones, like what, Mm -hmm. like, do you feel like things are too polarized? Do you feel like Mm -hmm. things are too, like, like, is it like more inclusive, less opinionated, more Mm -hmm. clean? What, like, Mm -hmm. just like literally, like, what are your like actual thoughts on like the beauty industry and Mm -hmm. what are your real hopes for like what continues to happen? Um, Same goes. I, I want to say just 
being thoughtful um, of ingredients that, that are being used. So use things responsibly. Um, as far as testing, I think there's definitely more opportunity for testing because I have, you know, worked in collaborations with companies that don't want to test because obviously, you know, there's an expense associated. Mm. So sometimes I've seen certain shortcuts um, being taken, but sometimes it's better to be thorough and make sure um, you, you want a product that actually does do something and you should be able to substantiate it. I think that's really important. Um, and then of course, um, you know, it's really interesting because when I, uh, in the early days of Biosense, I, as we were going international, I, I learned that when you go into other countries, you have to be able to prove your product is safe. So there's, it just takes a lot longer versus in other countries. <laughs> yeah. It's a much longer process. Um, so I think over here, things are generally regarded as safe. You have to do some work, but I think they're more, um, there are definitely a lot more restrictions when you go international, which are good, you know, it's good learning and good inspiration, um, for all the considerations that are being taken. Do you, do you, is, so did, is this one step too far? Do you, would you agree that you hope that like maybe in the United States, like we get like more stringent, like regulations, like what the EU does or Australia does or Japan? I think that'd be great. Yeah, I yeah. do too. It's more work, but it's just thoroughness. Um, and it makes things a lot more objective too. So as far as how you feel about a product. So not to like hardcore humble rags, I know that we don't have that much more time, but what are some of the most exciting innovations for mm-hmm. JB and Heron, some of the things that we've created together, which obviously we're not the first people ever that, what well, or and maybe there is some things that we are kind of really did do some hardcore innovation around, but like, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you're really excited for, for us? I'm really excited about the moisture mask. Um, Cause it works on so many different hair types and we've gone all the way from just 1A to 4C curls and everyone who's used it seemed to like it. One thing about the moisture mask I think is incredible mm-hmm. is that it's very concentrated. And so mm-hmm. I feel like it's not one of those things where like you have to use so much mm-hmm. if you have more 4C or really tight. Like obviously the more hair you have, the more product anyone's going to have to use, but it's mm-hmm. not one of those things where you, where you use it like twice and it's gone. Right. It, it really, I feel like it goes a far away. Mm-hmm. What else are you excited for? Um, I'm excited for our pre-washed scalp oil. Oh, yeah. The turmeric is like everything. I feel uh-huh. like my, and also like when you put those in together, like mm-hmm. do the scalp oil and then put the mask over all your hair, let it sit for like 30 minutes. It's mm-hmm. like another, like it's like an, a whole other level. It just feels like a treat. And I know this sounds boring, but I love the nurture shampoo too. And everyone's like, who can get excited about a shampoo? But this one just feels really good. I have a question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it possible? I think that we have done it. So I guess I'll spoiler alert and say yes. But like when people aren't buying our line of shampoo, mm-hmm. can a shampoo really be nurture or can a shampoo really be hydrating mm-hmm. if it's only a shampoo by itself? Um, On its own, not really. You need to put some conditioning element into it. And also the concentrations of the cleansing agents make a really big difference in how you work with them. So there are certain ratios so that um, you get that right balance of foam without being too strippy. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited for people to try our body conditioner because if you don't like conditioner, but like I love conditioner, but our body conditioner is amazing because it makes your hair hydrated, but it makes it so not flat mm-hmm. and so just full of body and movement and life. It's everything. How do we acquire our ingredients? 
Um, we have certain parameters that we use when we select ingredients. So there's a lot of things we won't use that relate to just international global restrictions or if something might be, um, have some flags around it. We're just, again, prefer fewer, better ingredients and really strip something down to what actually is needed in a formula. And that gives us a starting point um, for everything. If you think about functionality and the feel and the performance, that's a lot of it. Um, and then we look at, you know, as far as sourcing, we want to see where it's coming from. Just make sure the whole supply chain is steady and sustainable. Um, and the other piece to it is also thinking about the whole manufacturing process. We just are making sure we're very thoughtful with partners we select just to make sure the whole supply chain feels ethically sourced and um, responsible. How do we validate or verify the sustainability of an ingredient, mm-hmm. like of a new ingredient bit that we find? Like we find some lavender in mm-hmm. Bulgaria. Like how do we, like, do we send like a cute little team out there to make sure that it's all in the oven up? We, there are questionnaires that we um, send out as we're vetting new partners um, just to make sure that values align. And also, we also want to make sure something's not going to be, you know, finite or have an issue. Cause that's, that's a consideration we need to think about. Totally. Cause <laughs> you got to be able to like have enough products. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. Oh, packaging. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got to talk about packaging. So I felt like with this line, like I was determined to not make a line out of plastic. Mm-hmm. I just felt like there's so much shampoo, there's so much conditioner, there's so many hair care products. And while mm-hmm. I did feel like we could make an innovative, unique formula that brings something new to people that they don't mm-hmm. already have, especially with Hemi Squalane, I do feel like we have created a product that does give people something they haven't had before. And it does mm-hmm. create a different result that is just beautiful. And like, it's not really something that's regularly on the market, but I just like, I can't put all this plastic out with my num- name on it. It makes me sad. Mm-hmm. I will say that when I said that like 27,000 times on Zooms, I do feel like your eyes were like, oh, fuck me. I'm really going to have to like, we got to figure this out because this queen's not using plastic. But mm-hmm. man, did you ever rise to the challenge? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So we really did do. But you know what? You taught me this thing that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Listen to this, everyone. True story. If it has an enclosure, mm-hmm. if it if the if the container opens or closes, mm-hmm. We literally don't have the technology to make it like 100% plastic free right now. Mm-hmm. Like if the thing opens or closes, you have to use like a trace amount of plastic, like in the cap to like make it to screw. seal it. Otherwise it leaks. Um, <sighs> if you're, for example, if you have an aluminum cap, there's a tiny percentage of a lining, um, which still I think is a lot of steps in the right direction. Cause if you think about the footprint overall, um, there isn't much plastic in the line. All of the containers don't use any plastic and we're going to continue with that. And we're working on innovations for closures. Um, our goal is 2025 is to be plastic free so far. That's our goal for now. It's a good goal. You're giving me the <laughs> same face that you gave me when I said that we could. <laughs> no, we actually made some progress on one of the containers that we're definitely able to reduce it. Um, so there's a material that's being tested right now. But um, And the body of our shampoos, conditioners, mm-hmm. like, like every, like the body of them all. There's no, it's only there's like no the plastic. Lids. Yeah. There's no plastic in the bodies of anything. So the containers have no plastic, um, which seemed like it was going to be a challenge in the beginning, but there's always a responsible way. And, and you and I talked about, you know, as we're doing our vintage bag collecting, <laughs> how did products hold themselves before? Um, so we just kind of went back in time to tried and tested materials that are also readily recyclable. Weren't you the one that told me that like startling statistic about aluminum that's so interesting? 
Do you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. So, um, I think Catherine had, um, found, found, found out about this one, but we, um, 70% of aluminum is from recycled aluminum, something like that. And it's also infinitely recyclable. And it was, it was also that it was like 70% of all the aluminum made since like 1950 something mm-hmm. is still in use. Oh yeah. Like it really is so infinitely recyclable. And it's so usable. I think of the can crushers from way back when. Yes. Um, and it still has a value when you trade it back in. <laughs> yes. Okay. So now we've reached the end of our podcast, which I'm devastated for because we really mm-hmm. could talk so much longer. But is there anything that we missed or that you want people to know about JVN hair, about Biosense, about your job as a chemist and a formulator, about science, about fierce ladies in science? I is think, there anything? Um, products are meant to be enjoyed. Skincare and hair care is supposed to be fun. It's true. Yeah. It is true. It is meant to be fun and Uh full of Mm self-care and also like not too much of a drag on like the planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can have it all. You can. Yeah. Because people like you. Thank (laughs) you, Ramya. We did. We did do it together, but you really (laughs) led me. So thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was Ramya Vishwanathan. You'll find links to her work in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thanks so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend and please show them how to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CuriousWithJVN. Our socials are run and curated by Emily Bosick. Our editor is Andrew Carson. Getting Curious is produced by me, Erica Ghetto, and Emily Bosick. 